0: You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Our guest today is Megan Clancy, research and development specialist at Standard Meat in Fort Worth, Texas, and we will discuss research and development practices and other R&D topics. Megan's interest in the meat industry came early, resulting in a bachelor's degree in animal science at Texas A&M University, a master's degree in meat science from Texas Tech University, and her current position at family-owned Standard Meat, which processes beef, pork, and poultry. Thanks for joining us on Meeting Pod today, Megan.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Let's start with what drew you toward the concept of an education in meat science in the first place. How did this all begin?
1: Yeah, so truthfully, you know, my interest really actually started with agriculture and it started when I raised show pigs and really became active in FFA and 4H and and fundamentally we learned raising show pigs was for protein consumption. So that kind of inherently led me to, you know, look at Texas A&M and pursue a animal science degree and that's where I actually was introduced to meat judging. And I I didn't attend A&M necessarily with meat science in mind. However, you know, when the opportunity kind of showed forth and there was just this collaboration and team environment that everybody was like, oh, it'll give you, you know, this really great insight to a a new industry that I, I was only vaguely familiar with. I just jumped in and you know, when you meet Judge, you get to travel to a lot of packing plants and you get to become pretty familiar with meat processing as a whole. So through that kind of exposure, the experiences and and networking, I really did just find this passion for truly understanding what makes meat great, right? Like who doesn't like to eat a lot of protein? (laughs) And so more specifically, I, I decided to pursue my master's degree just to better understand, you know, what factors impacted meat quality and and where I could, you know, fit in and help feeding the world.
0: Terrific. Can you now describe your current responsibilities at Standard Meat and how your animal science education prepared you for these duties?
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, Standard Meat is a small processing facility, and and so I I really am blessed with being able to to dabble in many areas. But two responsibilities that kind of you know first come to my mind. I, I would start by saying that my primary responsibility is collaborating with our operations, FSQA, and and culinary team to produce and execute the highest quality, safest product that our, our customers are asking for, you know, so going back to raising show pigs at a young age, we're taught that the animal's well-being is our number one priority, and, and it takes a team effort to do so. So through higher education, that was really only elaborated on and expanded upon, you know, through my animal science courses. So through higher education, that was only elaborated on and expanded upon through my animal science courses. to just further expand, at the end of the day, producing food is a team effort. It requires people really with multiple different expertise and, and totally relying upon each other and supporting one another to to make sure that products are produced um, at the highest quality. And, and so that kind of leads me into, you know, my other responsibility that I that first came to my mind was we put our customers and consumers first. And it's, it's being innovative while also being practical. And what I mean by that is, you know, most of our customers come to us with a, a vision in mind and it's my job, you know, while working with sales and, and culinary, to understand our customer's vision and then to execute it, and and I really cannot do it alone. That means project management, facilitating with our buyer to get raw material, working with production to make sure that the process that I process that I have in mind is actually achie- achievable at a large scale while meeting culinary needs. It means I have to conduct research studies in house to really understand where our limitations are and our challenges, and and then also have have an alternative solution, right? So with that, I would say especially through my my master's program working with multiple projects of my own, assisting other graduate students, that experience was a, a, that that just absolutely prepared me for what I'd be working with today, multiple people with multiple different personalities, different managing types internally at Standard Meat and externally with our customers.
0: That sounds awfully complex. <laughs> Uh, what would you say are the most critical challenges for a me company's R&D department in light of outside factors like shifting consumer tastes and demand, economic and competitive pressures, and increasing environmental concerns?
1: Yeah, so… At Standard Meat, we, we have a culinary team and most of our customers also have culinary teams as well. So in terms of you know shifting consumer taste and demands, I, I would say that we stay on top of that. Um, our teams work really well together and, and I feel confident that we know what our customers are actually asking for just because of that collaboration. And so- Really, from a R and d perspective, I would say that deadlines and processing samples can can absolutely be our challenge. More specifically, at, at Standard Meat Company, we work directly with our production team to produce the samples. We don't have a separate pilot plant or a research facility somewhere off-site that we can make samples. So I have to be, and our team has to be very thoughtful and conscious of where our time is spent. So for example, if a customer requests a sample on Monday and, and they'd like it by Friday, the equipment we may need could be in use during production three or four days out of the week, or maybe five days. So we have to work around that schedule, and that could be considered a challenge for sure. But I, I also believe that there's a benefit because having you know to work in house really allows our R and D team to connect with production and FSQA. So although you know we may face some tight deadlines and really have to navigate when samples can be produced. We're also able to keep production feasibility and food safety at the top of our minds while creating the best product for our customers. And, and standard meat, I think it it states on our website that we, you know, are pretty custom. Uh, that's you know our target and our goal. So when a customer comes to us with a, a challenge that maybe our competitors are struggling with achieving, we really do try to strive and think outside the box and truly process it differently. And so. Some of that work may not always be functional for our competitors, but that's, that's exactly what we excel at, honestly, and, and that's what we want to excel at. So we get to be different and take on challenges and discover unique solutions.
0: So a lot of this is definitely based on keeping communication lines open and being able to talk to each other to meet the mutual goal.
1: Absolutely. It's being transparent, you know, with each other and really understanding again, what is the end goal? What is the customer asking for? And, and what do we need to do to to get it to them at their, their level that they're looking for?
0: Is there a particular type of person that's attracted to research and development versus production or other areas of meat processing operations?
1: Yeah. So I, I actually really, I find that Question intriguing. I I really think that people who like to find out the whys and who want to problem solve and find problem solving fun and like to you know conduct tests and and of course eat a lot of food. I think those type of people really like R and D. And and you know with any job there are several challenges and, and with R and D we're we're constantly running tests to better understand our limitations but also provide the alternative solutions right and so whether it's ingredients equipment or creating some universal product we go through a lot of trial and error and and i think sometimes we don't find the answer we're looking for actually most of the time you know it, it doesn't give us exactly what we thought but at least we have a, a you know a, a tool, right? All of those trial and errors are something that we can put back in our box to look back on whenever a challenge comes to us that may be similar. And so, for R and D, I really think you have to have a good mindset about failures and approaching you know a, a new challenge in a different way. And then again and again and and with that, you absolutely have to continue your education. So, I, th- I think you you have to know what's new and upcoming and what's worked in the past and what hasn't and you you also again have to understand how to work with a team and collaborate because it's just not a position where you you just do it alone it it's such a group effort and i i think that is my primary job is collaborating so i do think there are specific traits that draw some people to r&d and and people in other areas of course
0: what kind of practices can people in the r&d departments Use to learn other techniques, other styles, other processes to keep up with what the latest innovations.
1: Yeah, so I think a, a really great resource is some of the conferences that are hosted. You know, through food science technology groups or like the reciprocal meat conference. When you go to those, there's sessions that you know talk about what universities are working on, and and so I think through just staying active in the different organizations that are out there and and for me specifically I didn't take a whole lot of food science classes so I really try and dabble in okay what you know what are non meat ingredients and in? and I like to also work with our ingredient companies and and you know ask them lots of questions so I think the the tools are you know seeking more right like what is out there that I don't know or or what I what do I not feel confident on and so I think the tools are definitely just asking for resources. And that's one thing that Standard Meet does great about. They're like, hey, you want to go to this conference and learn all the things? Go for it. And so having that support also has you know, helped our R&D team for sure, just learning new things and, and
0: being supported. And of course, that support has to continue when you get back from the conference and say, hey, how about we try this?
1: That's exactly right and and that's a a great thing that you brought up. Our our team really does like to again collaborate and and we specifically here at Standard Meat like to to get together and and showcase what we learned and whether it's me hearing about a new ingredient and somehow incorporating it into a new product or it's just a a round table discussion of hey I you know met this person and they told me about this new ingredient i think we should look more into it we definitely get to expand on that when we do get back from you know the classes or at the end of a of a conference or whatever it may be
0: so to follow up on that can you identify any trends or innovative practices in the world of meat that you've seen in r&d these days on a commercial level
1: yeah, so I've noticed since being in the industry, which is only about 2 years, the involvement and connection that R&D has with culinary. In school I, I never really thought about that relationship or that relationship, you know, that chefs and R&D personnel had, because it necessarily wasn't like a course that got taught. And it really wasn't a part of like, any projects that I at least assisted on. So coming into industry, it was really eye opening and, and humbling for me to at least get to work with our executive chef, Zach Calkins, who is not only a great teacher, but also a great team member. Again, one thing I love about standard is that we do get to be custom, and we're not afraid of trying new equipment or new processes. We get to, you know, pull The wild cards and tell our customers, okay, we'll do it. And I really attribute that to our ownership group being so receptive and innovative themselves. And and truthfully, because they have equipped our team to brainstorm, work together, and, and they're always in support of those efforts. So our chefs have taught our team about different spice blends and seasonings and how they pair together while at the same time, our R&D team helps chefs understand, you know, different cuts of meats, the quality, you know, maybe why we're choosing a specific cut or processing it a certain way. And so I just know that that collaboration between the two departments has really offered a new level of innovation, at least to standard meat and, and our customers.
0: Now, when you were attending Texas Tech, you worked on a new technology called Rapid Evaporative Ionization Mass Spectrometry, or REIMS, which can be used to sample a wide range of biological solid or liquid samples, including biological tissue or food for environmental applications. How would you characterize the potential for REIMS for meat companies in either production or food safety these days?
1: Yeah, so Reams, in my opinion, is still very much in the testing phase. I think that the technology offers a lot of promise, but there are limitations to the current machine. It's a relatively new and sensitive piece of equipment and not totally user-friendly at its current capabilities. And what I mean by that is user-friendly to every plant worker who maybe hasn't gotten to work on sensitive equipment like Reams it's been about two years since i worked with that equipment. And again, I do believe it shows promise and they've probably made great strides since I've worked with the machine. But I I think for the meat industry, we need to continue researching where it can be most widely used and How to make it functional at the plant? You know, the sample acquisition is relatively easy, but things like maintenance, calibration, data management—I would say—still have room for development. Specifically referring to the meat industry, again, I may be biased, but I do believe you know, with more research and and we can get closer to utilizing that equipment, especially for meat quality and food safety.
0: And beyond that, of course, there's the cost of the equipment, there's the training, and that kind of cost and the time. Do you see that as being reduced as this might potentially become more familiarized in the processing industry?
1: Yeah, I think I think it has the potential to, right? Kind of with most things. And I think if we can Further, of course, research it and understand what benefit it really provides and the value it brings. I think it could pay for itself now since it's not in a plant right now. I don't want to put any, you know, money on it, but I, I do think the machine is very unique and is very, very, very cool. It's it's got some unique testing capabilities and, and if you can interpret the, the data correctly it can provide some really valuable valuable things to the meat industry. I just think that we need to continue to research that and find what way it best fits and, and how we can achieve that.
0: thanks for clarifying that. Uh, if you had a crystal ball, what would you say should be the next frontier for R&; d departments across the industry given the various challenges and factors that currently affect meat production and planning on a daily basis well,
1: It's no secret that plant-based proteins and alternative protein options are a hot topic. So I would say that the next frontier for R&D is going to have to be education. You know, I, I really believe that as the meat industry, we must continue to teach and educate our customers and consumers on the benefits of animal protein and really be transparent with them about how we process and why we do certain things. At the same time, I think as meat scientists and R&D personnel, we have to understand alternatives so that when we're presented with a why, we have a prepared and educated and thoughtful response. We can't just, you know, read and write and understand research papers, but never relay those messages to the pe- the people who maybe don't understand. So in summary, I don't think that the future is about, you know, a secret new ingredient or a specific type of flavor, but more so about continued education and communication about what meat is and its benefits. Maybe it's not so much about looking to the future as it is looking back at our history. You know, why did we start eating meat? But it is a, it is a primal relationship, and maybe there's a reason for that.
0: And, of course, educating internally helps as well.
1: Absolutely. I am a big a big advocate for continued education. There's just you never stop learning, right? There's there's always something new or or something newly discovered about something. And so continuing our education can only make us, you know, stronger and, and be able to understand why again we're feeding people and how we're doing it.
0: Terrific. Thank you so much Megan for sharing your expert insights with our Meeting Pod listeners.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this.
0: And thank you all for joining us and be sure to follow Meeting Place and Altmeat magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to MeetingPod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and AltMeet magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeet.net.